2: Welcome one and all weebs and casuals alike we are baka and company we're here to provide you a deep dive into all your favorite anime shows and movies we'll talk about both new and old anime and everything in between if you have suggestions please send them our way by either giving us a tweet at bakakopodcast or sending us an email through bakakopodcast at gmail.com uh mature audience warning for this one there is a little bit of violence in uh this series that we watched uh it it does deal with a uh, world war one world war two themes so if any of that uh stuff may set you off uh please be advised uh, on this episode we are talking about saga of tanya the evil uh and in this episode we have me myself drew tendo 64 or just drew Element will be joining us, as well as Silver Lobo-sensei, and not dead, not a ghost, not a pre-recorded message, it's Frank Furter. Oh, and with... wow! <laughs> it's really and with that, let's talk about Saga of Tanya the Evil. Oh boy, man, where, where to fucking
1: start?
3: Cool. Uh, let's, start guess... at, let's, let's start at the start. Well, I think first, let's get uh, overall thoughts on the series, you know? Like, initial, like, like uh top level, did you like it or did you not like it, I guess. And did you yeah, finish it? Yeah. I liked uh... it, I finished it. I didn't watch the movie. Hmm. I think I think that's fair. Uh we was saying earlier, right, that you that you think that oh no, Frank was saying that the movie adds a lot. I, I agree, the movie's dope and it really sets up a season two. Um but I think watching just season one's fine. It it ends at a pretty like solid like end of an arc and then he goes on to the next arc. And funny enough you in can... the movie they just skip that whole thing and go straight to Russia.
1: Yeah, we could talk about the movie later because like I I, I specifically want to talk about the end of the movie and mm. whatnot. Um, mm. but overall, love the show. I'm I'm sad that I put it off this long um yeah. for watching it. I know the reason why I I not the reason why I put it off, but the reason why I really wanted to watch it is because I do I want to watch Isekai Quartet because I hear nothing but great things and this is one of the shows that are in it and I'm just like okay well I need to stop putting it off and just watch the damn show <laughs> and I I loved it I, from I was a bit confused on episode one as soon as episode two happened I was like alright we're caught up to speed we're good like this is the show that you need to watch the first two episodes to understand what the fuck yeah. is going on the rest is like candy it's like eating candy each episode like they they set up this character who is just a despicable person, but they set them up so well to where you love that character. Like, you love to hate that character. All right. It's well, so good.
2: With that, we'll just give everyone who may have not seen it but is listening to us anyway. Um, so Saga of Tanya the Evil, uh, known in Japan as Yojo Senki. It literally means the military chronicles of a little girl. Uh, it's a Japanese light novel ser- series written by Carlo Zen and illustrated by Shinobu Shintosuki. Or Shintosuki. Uh, it began serialization in- online in 2012 on the user-generated novel publishing website Arcadia. Um, Enterbrain acquired the series and has published 12 volumes since October 31st, uh, 2013. <laughs> uh, a, a manga adaptation uh, with art by. Chika uh, began serialization in Kotakawa Shoten Comp Ace magazine in 2016. Uh, the anime that we watched, uh, originally aired, uh, from January 2017 till March 2017, uh, and the theatrical film that some of us, uh, watched took place or came out in February of 2019. Um, but to reiterate back to Frank's thing about our, our main character, Tanya, um, let's start with the background, uh, Of of her will you?
1: Yeah, so Tanya is a nine year like at the very beginning of the show, she's a nine year old girl, um, that is just thrown into this military, just kind of not willy nilly, but she's like she's a higher up in the military. I don't know if in the very first episode if she's a major or she eventually gets to major, Uh, but basically like it it uh, oh um,
3: so yeah the. The way the show starts is that she's an orphan and she has she has to figure out how to survive. And she sees the military parade and figures well, out... Well,
1: that's episode two, I thought. Uh, oh, you're talking about... That's episode two. I'm talking
3: about episode one. It okay. just kind of just throws episode you one, into the show. Yeah, she, I think she's a lieutenant, a second lieutenant at this point. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. she's at the Battle of the Rhine. And I but think, basically,
1: just... Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say just imagine a nine year old like girl who is a mage, basically mages can just take guns and make guns more powerful. Like they make make guns go explode more. Um gun goes brr. Yeah, gun goes brr. Um and she can also fly with like the help of kind magic of boots. like a magic boot. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just this like not necessarily ultra violent, but it's just for the lack of a better term, ultra violent show in which his nine year old is just fucking just annihilating people, and I was like, okay, how did we get here though? And then episode two runs straight into it in which it it starts off in um, current time Japan salary man is just um just fired this poor guy who you know had poor numbers couldn't get his numbers up and just fires him without like any mercy and it's like basically like hey you're just a number to this company because you couldn't get your numbers up like you're the weakest link goodbye and you know when this guy's on his way home this the person he fired pushes him in front of a train and before the train hits him <gasps> god stops time
2: but not God. Being
1: X. Enter being X. Uh, being X is this, uh, for the lack of a better term, God in which he <laughs> basically just can possess anybody and just talk through anybody while that's in this um, kind of standstill status. And, explain to this guy that like generally reincarnation is uh reincarnation is reserved for you know people who believe in god and people who do good in their lives and he honestly doesn't uh doesn't deserve reincarnation and i uh, he basically talks his god into saying like well you know i i haven't really done anything done like i've just followed the rules i've just stuck to the textbook rules like i I shouldn't be punished for this so He takes this nice, comfy life for this guy. He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna reincarnate you, but I'm gonna give you the toughest fucking life you have ever, like you're ever gonna face." And he reincarnates him into this orphan little girl, who, as Element said, um, tests out like their magic ability, and it's like through the charts. She enrolls in the army or in the military because she's an orphan, has nothing better to do, but she remembers her entire past life. So she's just like this, like very intelligent nine-year-old, mm-hmm. and uh, that is the premise of, or that is your main character of this show, and it just kind of just devolves from there, in which she's just trying to live and trying to live like a comfy life that she had before in her past life as the salary man. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah.
2: So Go with for. that kind of uh, pin in in her in Tanya's description there, uh, Lobo, when we get introduced. To Tanya as the new, like, I can't even remember, and that's terrible of me to do this, but the main character prior to being Tanya is this boring salary man whose job is to fire people, evaluate people, whatnot. But as she moved into Tanya, how did you see that going, Lobo? Did you see it like going very smoothly, like most Isekai uh shows? Or when we start getting these twist and turns of how quickly she moved through uh, the ranks and, and became like this power to be reckoned with. Was that something you were expecting or?
0: Well, because I've seen this already before when it was first airing. Uh, yeah. Yes. But like in, in regards to when I first saw it, it was probably more advanced than any other Isekai's I've seen. Cause they're all like, Oh, they're super powerful, all this stuff. And everything comes kind of easy for them or like they get everything they need in this. It's everything is working against her. She'd be like, all right, cool, I'm gonna go to the rear, and then immediately gets put to the front lines and like, all right, cool, I approve myself in the front lines. Let me go back to the rear. She's there, and they're just basically trying to murder her. And then she's like yeah,
1: but at the same going time, back she to the is... front lines. <laughs> she is still overpowered as hell. Like she's her, overpowered, her...
0: but that doesn't matter at all to being X. Because like uh, the yeah, entire purpose yeah, of I yeah. am going to screw you, when you think you've gotten ahead, you're not my entire goal is to make you worship me and acknowledge my existence and with the jewel that she gets and everything being x honestly has been winning this entire thing even at the end of the movie being x wins um, by the way
1: for the for those of you listening the jewel is basically <laughs> something that the magic power can kind of like it's like a capacitor yeah. like yeah kind of like a computer capacitor type thing where it just flows through that and then it powers up like it's like a battery
2: yeah so kind it of. does all the like it does like they call it a computation jewel and what it's basically doing from the science part of the show that i gathered is that normal soldiers normal mages get a version one which is one jewel it cycles your magic through it so that if you want to power up your gun you shoot a more powerful gun Uh, If you want to change your bullets into piercing bullets, scatter, you want to fly. Like it's it's computing your magical essence to, to create this. Whereas Tanya goes to the research facility in the rear for a bit. And this stereotypical madman scientist is like, look, I smashed three jewels together. I made this version type X or whatever he calls it you're gonna fly with it and you're gonna go uh higher than planes go and she's like no that's not physically possible he's like why she gives him a whole list of reasons and he's like yeah but um here's here's the thing they're orders and because Tanya wants to like move through the ranks and get a cushy position she's like well i can't disobey orders i i i'm gonna follow them fine and like we get the we get kind of a montage of her flying exploding flying exploding her in the infirmary, flying, exploding, and then she's kind of at a crossroads where she's like, Look, if I keep doing this, like, I'll eventually get to the rear, I'll be on the easy life, and then everything just stops. She's like sits up in bed. She's like, Okay, I've I've been here before. Being X is around. Alright, well let's see where he is. Turns around this little nutcracker's mouthing off to her, telling, like, I'm gonna be there every step of the way, like, I'm gonna force you to praise me, like Uh, i'm gonna put a curse on you so that now you have the most powerful like magic but you can't use it unless you pray to me you have to say a prayer every single time you want to use this and she's like okay but i can just say it i don't have to mean it kind of thing and so long story short she gets super jeweled she essentially becomes the goku of the show um and is just way too overpowered, but we get to see her like uh, later on. They get into a situation where she's fighting. I like will a...
1: point out though that um, she, he kind of tells her. Well, does he tell her as the nutcracker that she he ha- she has to pray to him in or order is, for? The or is that when she shuts down the pilot? No. Because I thought it was when she was in like in the sky. About to die with the, with oh, okay, the prototype yeah, I jewel. It. That's right. The, the entire was thing was,
0: like, that conversation with the Nutcracker was, I will make you pray to me. I yeah. will, you, will, you will pray to me. And then gave the vision to the mad scientist who Oh, to, to improve did that. the jewel? And then mm-hmm. he said into the speaker when it was all going haywire, praise
2: be to God or whatever the fuck he said. Yeah, yeah, glory to God, Yeah. So I mix yeah, the two like into a, one memory. That's what I yeah, do. Yeah,
1: and then she, she says, like a, like, a minor prayer underneath her yeah. breath, and, like, the, the prototype magically works now, yeah, and, and it's she, amazing.
2: Yeah, and then she has to do it again when she's fighting that guy, like, on the skis, who I just assume is Finnish, because this whole world is... She uh, makes that comment early on, is that it's, like, early...
3: Yeah, so the equivalent countries would be Denmark and Norway. That's the, okay, the, okay, the northern yeah. countries. But yeah, I also thought he was Finnish because of the skis. Because Finland yeah. actually has a military unit that's on skis.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's what I like. I read way back in World War II. There was a sniper in Finland who had like one of the highest, most confirmed kills. And that's what he did. He dressed all in white. He was on skis. And he would just go through the mountains. And as like Russian soldiers came through, he was just no mercy. And they called him something like the White Ghost or the White Wolf of XYZ, wherever he was from. And at the end of the war, they're like interviewing all these people in like the fifties and sixties. He's like, "Yeah, I killed like seventy two Russians hmm. and everyone just kind of stopped and went but But you're part of the place that saw no conflict in World War two. He's like, "Yeah, because of me." People are just like, ooh, badass over here anyways, um, yeah, when they start she starts having to pray on the battlefield, and you see her eyes go from like that. Glossed over, glazed over, kind of blue to like evil yellow, and then you know, like shit's going down.
1: Yeah, that's I wouldn't say that's it's like evil get. yellow. I would say it's more so like um super saiyan know, like, yellow. Yeah, I would say yeah, equivalent to super saiyan yellow. But it, I would think more like the yellow that it reminded me of. And I mean, I was born, born, and raised Catholic, but that's besides the point. I really don't care now. Um, sorry for those of you. Um, but it reminded me almost of like when light would shine through a stained glass window, like that's how her eyes like kind of lit up. So like, and I kind of equivalent stained glass windows to churches and whatnot. So it was like, how dare you? Once she start. I, I'm sorry. I'm I, joking. I, <laughs> anyways, I don't. Anyways, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I equated that to just like um light shining through a stained glass window and just like powering her up. But I uh, you can also just equate yeah. it as easily to just it's super saians. S- super powered, that's
0: it. Yeah. Right. She she's yellow, she's at her most powerful, I guess. She's, yeah. She's yeah.
3: in a whole new level. Before we get but, too far uh, away from uh the being X stuff, I wanted to sort of set up like even though obviously the 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 majority of the show is focused around, you know, her fighting the war and trying to get the Mm -hmm. Germany equivalent to win I think it's important to know that essentially the protagonist is Tanya and then the antagonist is being X and like everything that happens in this world with these wars with all these countries and people it's all being manipulated like even subtly by being X to come after Tanya like they have a scene where uh, after she wins some battle or something being X is like how come I can't how come, like, you still don't see the light, like, you still don't believe in me? I'm going to make the entire world come after you. And then, sure enough, you know, the the tidings of World War start coming in. Yeah, um, yeah. So he, he well, sort yeah, of acts you... as the, the antagonist to Tanya, and everything that happens to her is because of him, essentially. Yeah,
1: and she even says, I don't know if it was during the show or if it was during the movie, in which she was like... War is dumb. It's just people killing each other and using resources. Like she doesn't give a fuck about the war. She just wants to just live, live her cushy life that yep. she did before. Like she don't give she she can give her rat's ass about the war. She's just the reason. Like the she saw in her eyes as being an orphan. The easiest way to a cushy life is hey, I've got this giant magical ability. I'm gonna join the army or military. Do my best, raising the ranks real quickly, and then fucking get out of here.
2: Yep, yeah. get in, get out, get your shit done. Now we kind of do see that when she gets to go to the capital to the military school for a bit, because uh, she does win that medal uh, for her bravery and shooting down everything. Uh, but she like goes and visits like a sweet shop. She like casually drinks tea with like people someone in her position more than likely wouldn't but it's because she has like this fountain of knowledge from another era that when she starts bringing up to these military generals she's like well in my mind hypothetically like this is what would happen this is what would happen she lays out like a very intricate plan in front of like the um strategic headquarters uh general and he's like who told you she's like well nobody this is all hypotheticals he's like, no, 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 that's that's actually the plan we're carrying out right now. How did you know? And she, like, kind of has this moment where, like, oh, crap. Like, this is common and basic tactics in my era. And this is just how things, like, we were taught in school kind of stuff. She's like, I can start applying this to, like, improving things and just starts getting the ball rolling with getting those promotions. So she can go to the rear, and then they kind of turn it around on her, and they're like, so, we hear you're very mobile, and if we needed to make a strike team, how would you do it? And she kind of sets herself up to be the strike team
3: accidentally. Yeah, she does that a
1: lot. She sets it up up for, like, there to be a strike team, and then they're just like, huh, you're really good at this shit.
3: Here, you're gonna lead it. I think in the light novel, it's uh, the scene is framed slightly differently, because I think you realize from the general's perspective he thinks she is putting a proposal forth for her to create a strike team to do all this stuff whereas from her she just feels like she's been asked a question she's just answering it yeah so there's yeah that's what i felt watching the enemy yeah um so she's and this happens a lot she like she's overachiever in a lot of ways and then instead of you know completing the work early they just give you more work you know with that
0: general with that general, he. He seems to be more of like the conniving type because every time she, she talks with him, something happens to her where she gets new orders because of the conversation they had or like he outplays her, outsmarts her. And that scene, although might be different in the light novel because of the perspectives, this one was very much like, oh, cool, interesting, interesting, interesting. You're leading it now.
3: He, I think he is the most open to... Uh, Tanya's ideas, um, and yeah. like the the guy with the glasses, you know, who thinks she's a monster, is like scared yeah. of her, so he's always very tentative about when she puts forward the ideas and stuff. And then the and other the guy general, who smokes just doesn't care. Yeah, and the the mustache <laughs> yeah, guy is, like very prideful yeah. and like thinks he knows yeah. the best. Whereas this guy's sort of like the middle ground, so he tends to be more receptive. Yeah, and that
1: that mustache guy gets called like that was one of my like funnier scenes in the show. Like she just calls the fuck out of this guy, like. They're in this meeting. They're like, oh, yeah, you could speak freely. And she's like, okay, well, I think whatever you're doing here in the northern front is just fucking stupid. And he's like, that's my lead. That's my doing. And she's like, well, whoever's leading is inept. And he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? The snot-nosed brat just waltz in here and just insults me. And then everybody else has to play moderator. To me, that was really (laughs) fucking funny. I loved it.
2: Yeah, um, I, her, 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 I don't know, like, abrupt, or not abruptness, but her, like, abrasiveness. Just, like, abrasiveness, yeah, yeah, bluntness, there we go. Words. Um, She's great with just calling an orange an orange and telling people how it is, and that even, like, trickles down to when she gets, like, her first command, because, like, she tells, uh, Gantz, Grants, whatever, Klein... Uh, the blonde haired guy with short Rex. hair who, yeah, he gets like blown out of the air three times and she like, just tells him, she's like, you're, you gotta do your orders. You gotta like, listen to me because if you don't, I'm in trouble and just kind of like knocks him out in that one instance to be like, we have to do this, but I'm responsible, not you.
1: Also, let's, let's, let's just kind of rewind just a, yeah. a wee bit. Um, we really haven't talked about how brutal this fucking little girl is. Episode one, like, she's a second lieutenant, but, like, she may not be, like, head honcho quite yet, but she's still in charge of, like, a squadron. And two people disobey orders. Oh, and, yeah. I forgot about these guys. Yeah. Like, they disobey <laughs> orders. And so she was uh, full and ready about to fucking kill these two people. And then, like, right in front of everyone, too. Yeah. Best character in the show is just, like, commander, or, like, you know, lieutenant, stop. Uh, God, why can I not remember her name? Um,
2: because the they're other all girl, weird German names, in their heart. Her name
0: remember. is Victoria Serbryakov. Brev- Vicky. Sur-
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, honestly, my favorite character this entire show, but we can get into that later. That's she cool. just kind of, like, stops and is like, hey, don't do this. And she's like, fine. And then relocates them to like the back lines where she know is kind of still dangerous, um. Like, and at the end of the episode, you find out that that pillbox that she assigned them to is fucking obliterated, and they they ended up dying. So it's like from from episode one, you know she's brutal, but like even then, like episode two or three, whenever she's back at the Capitol doing training, like or going to. Or she's training her cadets. Um, because I think at this point, um, this is before episode one, she's just training like the misfits that they gave yeah. her because she's so good at what she does. Um, this guy, these two people, or this one person is just late for waking up and she blows a fucking hole in the middle of the base to just prove a point and just be like, you if you're going to be worthless i'm going to get the f- like i'm going to blow you to smithereens so that
0: okay. was actually it was not to prove a point it was legitimately to kill him
3: that was actually well, yeah but during her officer training so she wasn't even enough yeah. they were all equivalent like she wasn't the yeah. leader or anything she was it was just... just that she was okay.
0: i think a year ahead of them or had or had just been given more she thingatism. had her medal
2: right no, no, no they, this, they no, no, didn't no, no, give her they oh, didn't, give her, any they didn't give her any favoritism. Didn't
1: give her No, no, no. But this didn't... was
0: like because she was be- she was better, she was diligent with her tests, she was at the ho- top of the class. So they're like, "All right, cool. Let's give her these guys a train and see how they oh, deal with having her as a the a as a officer or like a, a superior you're right. role." You're you're right. You're right.
1: Yeah, they gave her the shittiest of the shitty and she was like whipped them like freaking She polished those turds. Yeah, like, fucking, oh my god. It's like those tinfoil balls. I don't know if you've ever seen yes, those, two, I have. like, I bunny hole it, videos of, of just of people money. who, yeah. Anywho, she, she's just, like, this ruthless dictator of, a like, a lieutenant at the beginning, and then she finally gets her own company, like, mage company um, from battalion. the, uh, yeah, she gets her own battalion from um, Strategic HQ and sets up, like, this just kind of cunning, not necessarily ruthless, but cunning test to see who's who's capable enough to be on her team in which yeah. she sets up like a decoy, like officer that's like interviewing these people. But it's not a real person, which an, I, I still don't hologram. even understand. Yeah, it's a hologram. And I don't even understand how the fuck she did it. Illusionary but, magic. Um, yes, I, magic. Yeah. I I don't know why she that was the first and only time we ever saw it in the entire show, which is kind they,
2: of no. Well, they mention it um, later on when they start raiding that one smaller country when they go in their bunkers. The one guy peeks and he's like, "I don't see any illusionary magic." So, yeah, we get we get it twice. It's in, honestly in, in, right. like
0: they, in, they in, in different circumstances in this world, we kind of we would have seen other types of magic, but because it's wartime, all they give a fuck about is like powering up your gun and using. Uh, mortar shells or whatever it is through your bullets. That's it. Right,
1: but uh, well, actually, no. She may have used it in the last battle, and like with the uh, the dead—not necessarily dead guy, but the guy who should have been dead. I think she does uses it once there, in which she shoots the decoy, and then she comes up and just fucking a blizzard. Yeah, oh, she yeah. It once. Yeah. But um, so she she uses it one more time, but it's just like one of those like fleeting moments of the fuck. They sort of you established, I mean,
3: a... the whole point of the test is that if you can't even see through illusion magic, then you're totally useless in, right. in a wartime scenario. So I think I sort of for, established... for the
1: special company.
3: Well, I think yeah. that's just like her bare minimum, like base level to get into the company. It's not like right. Um, yeah. Well, so... the company that she's setting up is supposed to be like the elite of the elite. Like I don't it's think supposed it, to be it's... like the, the initial not... concept was that. I think it was just meant to be a mobile it's supposed force be... that Powerful was able mages. To... Yeah, it's, yeah powerful, well, it's, meant to, quick, it's meant to be a mobile team. company that could get around and do yes, yeah. Yeah, but that's strike the, team, that was the whole
0: point though. Like she needed to make sure that they were on the same level as she was. Otherwise, oh, they're okay, her that
3: down. That makes sense. that, so, yeah, that w- was... if
0: they're powerful enough mages that can see through a simple illusion, then they're in. Yes, that's all it was. I think
3: that sort of establishes that like you can't sort of use that illusion play, you know, against uh, you know whole armies sort of thing. Because if someone notices the illusion, then you're fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can use it, like, one-on-one. It's a risk. risk. Yeah, if somebody somebody uses
1: it against you, you better know what the fuck it is so you don't fall for it. Um, But, yeah, like, she's ruthless to the point. Like, she's ruthless but to a good degree there with that test to get in. And then once she kind of trains everybody, like, they... The one problem I had with the show is that nobody, like... There were a few questions at first about a like a nine year old major or nine year old lieutenant, mm-hmm. and and you get one good specific scene with it in which uh, she sits down with one of the other lieutenants in which he is gonna get a promotion to the job that she wants, um, but she convinces him not to take it so that way she he can stay back with his child, um, and oh, yes. so yeah. she can raise in the ranks more. So like. That is like the only legitimate time that anybody really questions that there's a fucking nine year old leading a battalion of fucking grown ass men, like in this war. This was
0: after she had already got her silver wings, so by that point, yes. the word had spread. Everyone knows about her already.
3: The, the like yeah, they don't even at question it time, at that point. She a nine-year-old. she's a
0: nine year old that killed an enti- a fucking company of enemy soldiers by herself.
1: She killed four people. Yeah. Four people and the rest of them fleed. But
2: Hold she
3: on. still
1: killed them. She beheaded one of them. <laughs>
0: that was I mean, to be fair, that was like the
3: first sortie of the the war, essentially. That was what started the World War One in this world. Um the the guy she was talking to is Captain Uga, who shows up um later on as well. Um But I think also she she makes a point of saying that this the country or the the military hierarchy is run by a meritocracy. Um, which is, I guess, unusual if you think about it. But I think that's sort of the justification for why she's able to rise up to the ranks is because it's purely a meritocracy. So her her deeds speak more than her age, I guess.
2: Well, and another thing we have to understand and we have to suspend some critical thinking and and throw some logic out the window because I hate to break it to you guys, it's an anime. Yeah. What? What? you're
0: freaking out over like, nothing frank like, it's
2: an anime i refuse <laughs> this is real life good
1: sir well if
2: you we want to get into children's soldiers that might be a different discussion because it is a real thing and it's pretty messed up yeah but, it's it's um fun. in the in in tanya though um one big problem i had with the show and i don't know if everyone else did but I didn't give a shit about anyone else other than her and best girl. Like in all honesty, like no matter what character they put in front of me, no matter whose sad story lost their kid, lost their family, almost died general subordinate, whoever, like if it wasn't Tanya or best girl, like I didn't really, I was catch th- their name or care.
0: I, I was didn't... the same way when I first started watching it back when I first aired. Seeing it now, after watching East Sky Quartet and all that stuff, and knowing the characters more, and remembering who they are, I've, her company, I'm all about. They're cool guys, and I enj- and enjoy them, but, like, I still don't really give a shit about them that much. Like, I was like, how did this end? I think one of them died, didn't they? And no one died. I'm like, oh, okay
1: uh who cares <laughs> then? i i i would agree to a point the only reason i would agree is because i don't fucking remember a per a person's name in this exactly. show exactly like her the her only two victoria, people right? the only two people i remember are tanya because it's an easy ass name victoria because easy ass name you didn't even remember that and i didn't <laughs> even remember that like fucking drew had to remind me that or one fuck? of you I did. fools man you okay, fucking dumb. sorry Man. Yeah, I know I'm one Whoa. of them dumb kids whatever <laughs> But the only other name I remember is Mary Sue And that's the ch- that's because she's a prevalent Person in the movie but she Is the child of the the kind of The big boss battle At the very end in which I actually Did kind of feel for him because they They set up his character very well mm-hmm. Um God knows what his fucking name is Anson. But like Chad Anson I hate both of you. It's Anson. All three of you. It's Anson. Doesn't he? Anyways. It's yeah, on the gun. Is it, is it she takes really his gun. Anson? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, they like they set up this guy. It's like, hey, like, you really feel for this guy. He's got his family. He's got a wife. Like, he's got a wife and kid. You you see that. You know, like, the fact that they're focusing on this guy. Shit's about to hit the fan some point. And, like... And I will say right now, I know we haven't really gotten to favorite character, favorite episode. My favorite episode is is literally the midpoint episode seven, the Battle of Fjord. Um, oh, that is a good one. It's it's so good because the action is so good, like the just blowing up every single cannon, so that way the the Empire's like navy fleet can go through this like little canal um, without getting you know decimated. Like, that action is good. And then the fight between this guy who's given, like, a small spotlight and just gets... End up just gets... Oh, my God. He gets, what, shot maybe two times and then stabbed in the stomach? And then as he's being stabbed, like, she just grabs the machine gun that his daughter gave to him as a gift. And the gift was like, hey, here's, like, the new, brand new machine gun that, like, has been developed don't fucking die on us dad come home Oopsie. and she fucking just stabs him shoots him and then just like as he's about to fall down he she just holds the gun he lets go and she, he just falls into the water and you're like this poor sap is dead which you find out later he's not but like to me this was this was such a good well thought out episode not only because like it revolved around like the ending boss battle, whatever you have it, but it is like, it also progressed the story in which it's like, okay, we need this, this main chokehold because they'll never see us Mm -hmm. coming from this angle. If we want to invade this country and this goes in,
2: sorry, Frank Finish.
1: No, 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 you're fine. I I was going to say, and it's just, it's a very well thought out episode. It's a very good episode.
2: And that whole plan goes back to her. Like when I was mentioning earlier, she's like, well, why would we do this when we can just attack from the sea? And and that's where the strategic HQ is like, well, who told you we were doing that? So again, she's got really good development and I'll agree that is a good episode. I just a little bit more like the one before that where they're taking out, um, what's that country's name? Dakia? Yeah, because yeah, they know if they stalemate them into winter, they're not going to survive. So they got to get it now kind of thing. And I thought it was really cool because you're, you're learning about the battalions, you're learning about what they're against, and you're learning how, like, very similarly in World War I, like, certain tactics prevailed because certain countries had radio. Certain countries did have, like, tanks, whereas certain countries had, like, cavalry fighting tanks. And I don't know if you're a numbers person, mathematician, or history buff, but uh, a horse versus a tank isn't going to end well um but you don't say but when at the end of that episode when tanya figures out that they have a listening post and they've been relaying messages like through the battlefield she's like well i'm just going to destroy it but as you're watching that episode you don't know that's happening and they're like hold on there's some magical interference something's happening sir uh what could this interference be from and like their their captain at that base just sits up he's like they're targeting us and everyone just turns around and is like what and then and she I like know, she sniped a, oh, them she no. sniped them from like yeah like a mile and a half away or whatever it was
3: i think that's two different episodes yeah no? i think that oh it might is be it is so, that's right yeah the the dakia the one is dakia is episode five it's the that's first right. it's the first mission her company gets sent on and they're yep. like super nervous but then these this country like literally doesn't have mages and doesn't have any technology they're like doing like classic firing lines against like muskets and stuff Against Magus, yes. and it doesn't work. At Honestly,
0: all. like episode five is my favorite because one, she trains her battalion, and it's legitimately just trying to break them so they don't join. So she has to continue looking for them and stalling the the battalion process. And then she rallies them by a, something stupid happening, causing an avalanche? avalanche. Yeah, and then it's just like, all right, cool, I have a fucking battalion now, and she trains them, and they they're like all about her. They like respect her fully, and the first fucking mission is. Let's conquer Dacia, and they did it in one yeah. fucking night.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. So that that that's that one, and then there's another one later where they get attacked by planes. Um, and that's they're right. Able, they're able to fly up to the planes level, which shouldn't be possible by mages. So they catch the planes off by surprise, and she hunts down one plane to like try and get a pilot out of it. And that's where being X shows up again, and she shoots him, and it doesn't work because he keeps talking even though he's a dead body. Uh, and yeah. Then after that, she shoots the listening post.
1: Yeah, that's right, say, that's that, right. That's that, how that, how that one goes. dead body scene, was, it wasn't creepy, but it was just like, this is unsettling. Like, this guy is just all bloody and sorts, and you just put three bullets in him, and he's still talking. Actually, this is kind of... I forgot
3: that I don't care. <laughs> that is when, um, that's when, because I think after the duckier one, because that's another country that gets added to the war with Germany. She's starting to realize that this World War thing is starting to snowball, and then that's when the planes show up. And she shoots him down, and then that's being X saying, I'm going to pit the entire world against you. There's going to be no yeah. escape. You're yeah. going to have to turn to me eventually. And then she fucking shoots him. And yeah, that's another another example of being X being an antagonist.
2: But what was your favorite episode there, Element?
3: Um, I was just scrolling through the list to... Look, I don't really know. I think maybe episode one, just because you sort of get the spread of everything. Like you That's get a good the start. you get the war, you get some strategy, you get her being a badass mage and using the jewel as well, which is always dope as hell, and the sick explosion. Um, I want to yeah. talk about I want to talk about like uh, direction and sound as well. If go for you, um, it, go for um, it. Uh, as well as like her being ruthless and sending those guys to the pillbox to die. Um, but okay, so firstly, direction. I think the direction in this show was really really excellent and very close to like Western movies. Like you know, there's a lot of um. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a lot of uh, common transition techniques. Like, um, uh, what's the word for it? I'm trying to find... I wrote it down. Like screen wipes and stuff? Match cuts it's... and pass wipes. So, oh. stuff where she like puts her head up against a window and then it cuts and she's on a train. But her head's... You know, okay. that that sort of stuff. That's very common in... like I, I love Edgar Wright. He's like, one of my favorite directors. And that's very common in his sort of movies. Where, like, they they the character's one position and they cut the entire scene around them but they're in the same position that's a match cut oh which, they do...
1: which real quick they did that they did that in the movie as well and i yes. fucking loved it
3: yeah they do they do it a bunch in the show as well there's a couple of different examples but uh, uh, I, I really love that stuff and seeing those sort of techniques is really cool cuz you don't really see that stuff in anime a lot um, so in general i think the direction was really good there's like really good framing um, they t- they took a lot of time, I I think the Fjord episode stood out to me for this, like before this massive battle was happening, they took the time to sit with the characters on both sides and show the view of the battle, battlefield, you know, before everything kicked off, like the beautiful view of the Fjord and them saying, you know, it's so peaceful, and then they cut to the plane coming in. I think the use of CG was pretty primitive, unfortunately, I think this is more (laughs) of a, I think at that point in time, maybe I think CG's gotten better now, it's still not perfect, but some studios are definitely better than others. Um, There were some cool transitions there, like in that episode with the Fjord when they're jumping out the plane. It goes from the plane and they're 2D, they jump out, they're 3D, and then the camera comes in for a close-up on Tanya's face and transitions to 2D in in like a couple of frames and then back out to 3D as they fall down some more, which I thought was really cool. So there's some cool stuff there. Uh, I want to shout out the director of the show in total, which is uh, Yutaka Uemura. he directed uh let me look up his name he directed fully cooly alternative which i think is the newer one ooh um uh, i
1: don't know if it, there's two new ones so it's alternative one of the new ones. and progressive yeah gotcha. okay so yeah
3: it was the first but they
2: aired 6 months ones. apart mm. one on Toonami yeah, really. and one in japan and then they
3: switched gotcha really yeah uh, I've never watched hmm. that stuff, so I, I'm not awfully familiar. Um, he directed Punchline, which I watched a little bit of. That was a very, very stylistic show, very I, cool. I love
1: Punchline. Um, I'm going to be honest. I fucking love Punchline. It's a good show. I
3: didn't watch much of it, but what I did watch was like very stylish, very cool, um, and he also did um, some other work on Zankyo no Terror, which apparently is a very, very good show, and he did episode 10 storyboarding for Shingeki no Bahamut Genesis, which is a show I fucking love. Um, the other person I want to shout I'm out... am so sad that didn't get a season two. Sorry, I
1: just got to oh, no. put that Go out for it.
3: there. Yeah, uh, wait, Shingeki no Bahamut? Yeah. It dude, did. I
1: watched that like... It got season this was... two. It so, got... it was... So, sorry. Wait, it got a season two? It got
3: two seasons, but they're two yeah. different characters it focused on, but the original character shows up in season two
1: my mind is blown um yeah no i watched that show when it
3: was like released
1: not even knowing cuz like this first is like, not even not fucking... even when i was not even when i was into anime i was just like all right i'm going to watch something and like my friend was like i'm watching this i was like cool i'll watch this i'd be super down and... to
3: do that show for the i think cuz it's it's like a perfect like the whole thing happens in one season sort of thing like you, you get a satisfying sort of story um yeah. yeah uh we could we could talk about that later yeah episode director um he's worked on shingeki no ba- um Shigeki no Kyojin, um, done a, done a bunch of storyboarding for that, so, a lot of the stuff of Tanya, like, flying through buildings, like, all that sort of stuff is, like, very Attack on Titan, it felt like to me, and that explains, you know, why that was the case. Uh, the guy who did the explosion specifically, um, his name is Owata, I can't remember if I wrote it down somewhere. Explosions. Oh yeah, Kazunori Ozawa. So all the fucking explosions in this show are amazing, like both sound design and visually, and they're all drawn by this one guy. He's like, if you look, him, if you look him up on uh, Sakugaboru, which is like a web, uh, like a site for like short anime clips of like really good animation. Um, if you look his name up, he's like got all these shows with like sick explosions under his name, like uh, Megumin in Konosuba. Her explosions are drawn uh-huh. by him. Noise. Yeah, That's so, what I was just so... going to ask, because
2: uh, if anyone needs explosions...
0: Yep. Explosion! Yeah, she... Explosion! He's got oh, a, shut
3: a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> a bunch of clips. No, she can't do the two, two
2: in a row, okay?
3: Oh, no, those are over Everyone three different day. days. Yes. Those are three different <laughs> days. Um... Next up, I want to shout out the sound team because I thought the sound. was. Design... hold on, hold. On. Oh, sorry. Oh
2: no, mind, no mind.
1: Actually, because my my one criticism I do have is about science, so I can continue.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I thought the sound was super cool in this in the show. Um, I think it's very different to how we would see in a Western sort of show. I think anime has a certain sort of sound they give to stuff like guns, explosions. It's a bit more metallic, I think, whereas in the West, it's a lot more like a real. It usually they just yeah. record an actual gun, whereas Japan they do it slightly differently. I I don't know why that is. Um. But I notice in every anime I watch, when there's guns and explosions and stuff, there's a certain sort of design to the sound that's very different to how you'd hear it over here. But it's still cool. Um, my favourite explosion in the show was, I think it was episode 10 or 11, when they blow up underneath the trench. They do that massive underground bomb. Oh, oh yeah. That yes, shit was cool. mind so blowing. The, the sound design of the massive, like boom and then the crackling of the the literal earth falling out of the sky that was so cool sorry so yeah i the so i i
1: completely agree with you the sound design for the show is amazing um i do have one criticism though with the sound design and that is in the movie actually all the movie explosions sounded terrible Huh. It sounded like they put a microphone out of a moving like out of the window <laughs> of a moving car and just recorded. Really? Cuz like I they I had a soundbar. A real explosion. I, <laughs> like to me like I had a soundbar and a subwoofer and any time in the movie they had an expl like a huge expl like granted all you're going to hear in a, a like an explosion like that I would assume is going to just be wind of just like sh- But, like, it just sounded like they literally just put a microphone outside of a car window moving at 70 miles per hour, if not more, in the movie. And it was just like, what the fuck is going on right now? But, like, I I would completely agree otherwise, like, the sound in this show was so, so good. Yeah. It was so, so, like, I I don't remember a show, the last show I've watched that had sound design this good. Very, always satisfying.
3: Every time there's an explosion, it's so fucking satisfying. And all the shots and stuff. Um, shout out to the sound director, Yoshizaku Iwanami, and composer, because I really love the soundtrack for the show, uh, Shuji Katayama. Um, I really enjoyed, like, all the themes and stuff. Like, every time they're in a battle, there's, like, that, that theme that plays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the sound design in episode one is very, as well, like really got me into the show, like instantly. Cause it's like, they start in the trench, I think. And there's the sound of the creeping barrage, which is like, you know, what world war one is known for. That stuff is horrific to listen to. If you have ever heard like a, a sound clip of it. Um, but that was really cool. Um,
0: Just so I can nerd about one thing in particular mm-hmm. in the it. episode where she's being having dinner with the, uh, the generals and they're talking about her, uh, and the battalion, and mm. her being in charge of it. Uh, if you rewatch that, I learned this from watching uh, another anime podcast, and the guy went in detail about how this happened, and I watched it again just for this scene. Uh, the entire framing of that scene dictates who is in command of the scene. So, like, it'll be looking down on the generals to show that Tanya is confident in this scene and that how she is in charge of it. Mm, And then it's slow. It goes, and you're looking uh, up at Tanya at some point, like, yeah, she's 100% in command. When it gets to the point where the camera is pointing down at her and you are just looking down on her and she's freaking out, it is because she is hearing something she does not want to hear. And the general has taken charge of this conversation and her fate. It is fucking masterful. If you that's pay attention, every single shot of that scene, the frame changes, and it dictates who is in charge. When it's just stagnant on the table itself and everyone is level, it is a peaceful conversation going on and a just and a uh, good back and forth between them. But when there's a shift, you can see it, and you can tell based on the dialogue happening. It's yeah, so that's good.
2: A, that's a really neat, neat thing to pick up. So, yeah. um. I know Element has some final thoughts uh, that he's going to go through, so just everyone get ready and just your final thoughts for the show.
3: Uh, I guess I really, I really love warship. Like I love Bandit Brothers, uh, Saving Private Ryan, like any sort of war show or documentary stuff like that. So th- th- I didn't know that this show was going to be like that. I thought this was going to be a lot more about her struggles as like a little girl in the army. Then and like her like evil side I guess from whatever that was in the title of the show I didn't realize it was going to be pretty much solely about fighting a war and being part of that war as a leader of a company or whatever and like battle strategy tactics um, how to deploy assets all this sort of stuff because that's the stuff I love about uh, war shows Um, one thing I want to say is that it's very cleverly obviously this is an alternative world but it's very cleverly written that. Uh, In this alternative reality, uh, World War One is started by, uh, I guess, the Denmark-Norway equivalent trespassing, bringing soldiers into German territory, and then they just won't have any of it. Yeah, and that I mean, Germany is within their rights in this example to defend their territory. So technically, the war is started by aggressive uh, invasion and so world war one is not germany's fault they're just defending themselves and then they transition in the middle of world war one into world war two when the tanks show up and planes mm-hmm. and stuff um because they do have planes earlier on and they're like world war one planes like the biplanes yeah they're biplanes yeah and
2: then all of a sudden they have rockets
3: and then they have the v1 rocket from world war two they have tanks um mechanized infantry and they have actual like bombers and stuff which is pretty funny um but that sort of conveniently skips over the entirety of the Nazi Germany stuff from that started World War Two and all that sort of thing. You know, all the characters are the same so there's no like chance of it being confused with real world World War Two. And in this case I guess Germany's still defending themselves from World War One. So, you know, there's no guilt to be felt when you're like rooting for Tanya's side to win because you're not actually rooting for Nazis. I just thought it was <laughs> <laughs> funny I way not to see that coming. Funny way yeah. to sidestep uh all those sort of complications i guess so my right,
0: quick thoughts on this yep. uh just to make this real quick uh yeah. love it to death i really hope there's a second season at some point in the future mm-hmm. i I'm, i would be happy if there isn't because like is filling that for me and i know there's another season coming up soon um also one thing i forgot uh, a funny moment happened if you guys wa- remember episode nine they just got back from combat some of them are wounded and in the foreground uh, you see a guy clutching another guy's body and just telling him to live and trying to get him to live. <laughs> if you watched all mm-hmm. the way to the end of the credits, uh, he ate a rotten tomato- potato.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he That's dies. all that happened yep. to him.
0: I totally forgot about a lot of the jokes in there. And it was great seeing them again. That being one of them. As well as in the movie real quick, uh, the disrespect they show to Russia is God, crazy. They really hated communism. With the video that they filmed, oh my god, yes, that's
3: it. Video is great, but like, man, they really dunked on. Like, you didn't watch the movie, right, Drew? No, because the whole like. That's why I don't want to
0: spoil it. Just the video, fantastic.
3: This is not not spoilers, but literally every time Tanya is talking about the enemy, she's calling them dirty commies. Like, she's actually saying like the (laughs) the subtitle translation is commies, and she's like shitting on them relentlessly. And I'm like, damn, this person hates commies. Um, Real quick. Real quick, did ev- what did everybody
1: watch this in? Did they do subs or dubs? Because sub I subs.
0: I tried dubs because I've seen this before, and it was it, I couldn't do it. I, I love that voice I actress dubs. for Tanya. Like yep. I, I love that voice actress voice in actress general. Is too good. I just could not handle the dub. I could not handle her in, as Tanya in the dub. So I was like, I have to go back to sub.
1: I have to. Oh, see, I I did the dub, and I it, there was no or sorry, there was no dub for the movie, so I watched that subbed, and no, the exactly. sub actors are great. But I did dub all the way through, and I really enjoyed it. But um, go
0: back and watch the uh, the episode where they take down Dacia, and that scene where she like warns them about the um, bum, bum, the bum, <laughs> Yeah,
3: that's a good. In one. sub,
0: it is fantastic. In yeah, dub, yeah, I, does, I went to it, watch it. it I'm it's like, really it's good. not great. It's not great. In dub.
1: Yeah, like the voice is a little jarring at some points whenever well, it's like the thing a monologue. is like
0: because of her voice like it's already high enough so when she goes into that into that like little kid voice it just turns into static yeah that's
1: that's that's yeah that that little kid voice in the dubs is is a the sub
0: bit is much. by far the best version of that
3: yeah
1: fair enough i i only did dub just for convenience just because i started watching and i was like hey sam do you want to watch this with me uh sam being my girlfriend and she's like no but I'll, i mean i'll sit here and i'll watch it like i'll listen to it i was like okay if you're gonna listen to it i'll watch it and, dub. and i just kind of finished it all the way through but um element i think you were continuing with your final thoughts or was it uh true or silver drew uh
3: i think drew had final thoughts but i can talk about yeah. it real quick afterwards
2: um i i really enjoyed it uh in our pre-show available to patreon subscribers that don't exist um i talked about how i watched nine episodes back to back to back and i really enjoyed it i got really hooked i took a couple days off and then i kind of felt like i missed something and i couldn't get back into it but i i think if i watched it all again all in one sitting i would i definitely like 10 out of 10 this show Uh, my final thought is probably a nine out of 10 just because um like i mentioned earlier i couldn't get attached to some of the sub characters some of the background interactions just didn't matter to me but i know it's tanya the evil because it's her show her anime her manga right. um but i i overall yes i enjoyed it and yes i would recommend
3: it to a friend yeah hell yeah i'd recommend it to win to someone who watches anime i think um yeah, you're right, though. They introduced a lot of characters and they popped their names up on the screen really quickly and, like, there's just too many to keep track of, but I cared more about how Tanya and, I guess, to a lesser extent, her company sort of interacted with each other and her interacting with everyone else, because that was what was yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. I want to shout out, so at the end of the show, this is, like, uh, war history nerd stuff. One, the strategies they use to encircle... Um, the Allied forces when they retreat and pull the front line back all the way and let them come in, and then encircle them with tanks. I mean, that shit's not possible without tanks, so the fact that they're tanks was bullshit. But um, that strategy, like Tanya was saying, was used by, I think, Napoleon and someone else at the Battle of Canet. And the movie 1917 is essentially that strategy. The Germans do that to the Allied forces, and that guy has to run the whole way to stop them from falling into the trap, which is cool. And the other one is, um, at the end of the war, when they signed the victory accord, they... She warns them earlier in the show, you can't just march into the enemy's castle and accept their surrender because there's not how this is going to work anymore with a world war. Like, you're not fighting just that country anymore, you're fighting the whole world. Uh, and she's totally right, because in World War I, or World War Two, sorry, when Germany advanced across um, uh, Europe to take France, Paris, uh, yep. Britain sent uh, a massive armed force of like 300,000 men, along with all the French forces and stuff, uh, and they got trapped on the north coast of France when they took Paris, uh, Germany. And Germany, instead of like sending the army to go and take care of the rest of them and fight like a, a battle on the coast, they just sent the Luftwaffe to like just bomb them out of existence. And the British government essentially mounted the greatest rescue effort in the history of man, which was the Dunkirk battle, uh, and rescued 300,000 men on boats, like fishing vessels and stuff made from the British coastline. And that was essentially what caused World War II to continue because if they had not rescued those men, they wouldn't have had a fighting force to, uh, I guess, push back against Germany. So she knew that happened, I guess, from her history and saw that these guys were fucking up even worse because in real World War Two they scuttled the French Navy so they didn't have any boats to get the army out of there. Whereas in this show, they let the Navy get away with all their army as well and go to and Africa. And she
2: even comments on that too. She's like, if you're going to let them go they're going to come back they're gonna yep. like breed hatred and it's just gonna yes. keep cycling you have to like you have to nip it now and yep. uh her military was kind of like smoke yeah That's her military is like no yeah. we won we won we're mm-hmm. letting we're we're savoring it and they just didn't get it so Fucking um idiots.
1: <sighs> I, I i just because i really haven't gone i do want yeah, my it. final thoughts absolutely love the show um the characters are all really well thought out, even though they are briefly on the screen. Uh, Victoria's best girl by far, (laughs) and even more so in the movie, Um, the movie you kind of see like these, like you get a little bit more glimpse into her personality in which like she, she is fucking good at poker and she swindles a bunch of whiskey and other (laughs) alcohol out of uh, neighboring soldiers. Um, I would say if you're gonna go into the show, go into the show knowing that you have to watch a movie after because the movie is absolutely critical. Um, the movie is amazing in all the words, of like sense of the word. The show, one thing that it doesn't tell you is like it ships that guy's wife and child out to some other country. You don't know what you find out in the movie that they go to the the quote United States. They're across the pond, but if you uh, look at the world map,
0: if you watch the end of the credits. There's always a scene at the end of every single episode's credits, and there is a scene where you see her signing up for the uh, United States right. military. Yes.
3: Well, so you I didn't, already I didn't know, know about. I didn't know, okay, know about I didn't her know, before the
1: movie. So. I didn't know what country, but yes, I did see that scene. I didn't know what country she was, and she signed up for a voluntary uh, service, not necessarily a military yeah, service, yes. because in the movie, in yeah, in the in the movie, she's part of the volunteer yeah, 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 Allied they, forces. They, they didn't clarify and, that
0: in the show; it was military Correct. for that. That's all I'm saying.
1: correct so the like i wish they would have told us what country she was going to but like in the movie it kind of like dives deeper into the countries that weren't involved in the show so go into the movie or go into the show knowing you need to watch a movie that's an hour and a half long mm. uh all of it is really great and i i really enjoy it i'm wish i i'm kind of kicking myself that i didn't watch it earlier
2: all right and, so
1: um, yeah how many that's more awesome. do you
0: need for the uh, easy guy quartet then what else you need to
1: watch? I, I just need to watch Overlord, um, which Get I'll probably started. just watch one season. I'll just probably no, watch one season watch out of the two of or three. No, <laughs> It's amazing. No, it's watch amazing. It. no I, I, I kind of know the premise of it already, and I'll probably just watch one season, then watch I- Isekai Ise- Ic- Kortet. You guys are fucking weaklings. Well, fuck you too. I love you, buddy. Sorry.
2: I, I'm sorry, Lobo. We have lives. Uh, so, brings us to what we want to watch next. Uh, we kind of eliminated voting because it adds 20 minutes to our podcast, so... <laughs> uh now we're just doing kind of a round robin everyone picks as we go um and i'm gonna play the favoritism card because it is my turn and i did have reader mail ask for this so we're gonna watch steam boy uh it's a movie so it's a lot easier for some of us to digest and it's not tober. although we will have another uh, show to watch i in want October. a spooky show or we'll, watch movie. A, we'll watch a spooky show next you, although I will, say, next? I
1: will say i will say the perfect next. blue was pretty spooky. <laughs> yeah that was so we're gonna watch
2: uh steam boy um like i said it was sent in by viewer request or listener request um and his last name is steam them,
3: his last name is first name. <laughs> yeah. first His first name his is last boy? name is Boy, his first name is No, no, his first Steam. name is James and his last name is Steam. I'm not kidding.
2: <laughs> oh God. I regret my choice, but I don't take it back. So that's really funny. It would've been really classic. funny if his
3: first name was Boy. So it would have been really funny. <laughs>
2: with that, I want to thank Ball everyone Steam. for joining us today. We appreciate all of your feedback. Again, you can send it to us at Bacako Podcast on Twitter at Bacako Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, shows we should watch, shows we should avoid, uh, we look forward to chatting with you, and we'll see you next time.
3: Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yep.